I really believe that if we had to choose one single skill um, to teach our you know, kids and the future generations, that would be creativity. Um, and creativity, you know, we can get a little bit philosophical here, but creativity understood as that innate talent that we all have, you know, as human beings. Uh, unfortunately, over adulthood, you know, it gets shut down and we create our own limiting beliefs around it, but we all have it. You know, Pablo Picasso used to say that we all are born uh, artists. The problem is to remain artists as we grow up, right? And that innate talent is what I think we need to hone, master, you know, um, to really be able to come up with solutions to the biggest problems we are going to face as humanity, you know. And unfortunately, all the technology that we are creating, which is very useful, no doubt about it, for many things, is at the same time the biggest challenge to creativity. You know, because we are all becoming, you know, standardized by algorithms. We are always being fed the same thing. You know, whether it's on Facebook or on social media, we are constantly distracted by all of this noise that we have around us. You know, and that is is has is, is taking a toll in our creative process. Welcome to Creativity Pioneers, a podcast by the Moleskine Foundation that aims to spark dialogues and reflections on how creativity is understood and talked about, showing us its use for positive personal and social transformation. I'm your host, Adam Asanne, Moleskine Foundation CEO. Please subscribe now to our podcast on the platform of your choice and tune in for new episodes. I look forward to reading your thoughts and comments on our social media channels. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Valentino Barrioseta, founder of the NGO Bridges for Music. Valentino has a truly unique life story. He has worked in the music industry for the last 20 years with leading brands, companies and artists and having founded himself several success companies. From running some of the biggest clubs in the world, such as the legendary Amnesia in Ibiza, to founding a fashion and art magazine, founding also record labels or managing some great artists with international success such as Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, Skrillex, just to name a few. But after working in the epicenter of music, he changed his life in 2013 and moved to South Africa and founded a music academy called Bridges for Music. The aim of this organization is to unite the music industry to leave a positive impact in underserved communities, bringing new opportunities through a highly advanced and innovative educational model that embraces creativity, self-development and management skills. Valentino's passions over the last eight years has been understanding better the needs and opportunities in South African townships, exploring the future of education and harnessing the power of his international network to generate a more sustainable impact. In this conversation, he will share part of his journey, its challenges, achievements, and most importantly, his constant creative search. Enjoy. So Valentino, you have one of the most interesting stories that I heard recently, relatively recently. We met in Mozambique for a work trip. We started talking. I remember everybody was saying like, no, you got to meet Valentino. You got to meet Valentino. And I said, you know, happy to meet Valentino. Why should I meet Valentino? They're like, well, because out of nothing, he created one of the most interesting academies and schools that you can find around. And then I had the chance to, to come at the school and to see mm -hmm. the school. Mm. I was so impressed. I come 
and I see one of the most advanced educational program that I've seen around. Mm. So in order to, to, to share with, with everybody else uh, a little bit what you have created, maybe Valentino, can you tell us a little bit uh, about your story and how you moved to, to be one of the actually most influential people, you know, behind the scene in the field of electronic music mm. to create not only a music academy, but a music academy that embraced some of the most advanced educational approach that is out there. Mm. Well, I think, you know, I was actually talking with a friend earlier about this. I think industries are often disrupted or reshaped by outsiders of the industry itself, you know? So, you know, someone that has been in education all his life, um, you know, might not be able to see outside of the box. Uh, whereas someone that comes from a different, completely different industry from, with a completely different angle and set of tools, you know, might be able to, you know, bring fresh, a fresh approach and, you know, new ideas that can really, uh, you know, reshuffle the whole, uh, you know, education industry, maybe. I mean, obviously that's, uh, those, those are big words, but in our little community, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Um, and I've been always passionate about, you know, self-development and coaching despite my background, which I know sounds a little bit more shallow and, you know, um, entertainment, uh, entertaining, you know, than, than education. But, you know, even when I was promoting events and, you know, running clubs in Ibiza and, and all of that stuff, you know, I, I was always very focused on human uh, innate talent and, you know, human development. And uh, that's been always my passion from, you know, reading books to, you know, becoming a certified life coach to studying NLP, um, you know, also an MBSR mindfulness uh, teacher. So I've kind of in parallel run all of those things. And I think, you know, with Bridges for Music, everything kind of came together. Um, but, you know, like going back to, to, the, to the beginning of everything, I, I, you know, I was working in the music industry for 20 years. Um, you know, started from, you know, throwing parties when I was at university as a promoter and then running some of them, you know, I would say biggest or most legendary clubs in Spain. And, um, and that, you know, at some point became a bit shallow to me. You know, I started in music because I believed in the community element of music, you know, bringing people together, you know, sharing with my community or my group of friends, you know, artists that I really believed in or that I really, you know, loved. Um, and, you know, bringing them to my city where, you know, I used to live in Valencia first and I would love to bring you know, international artists that never played there to my city. And, and, you know, like that was my real reasons of why I started music. I believed in the power of music, as cliche as it sounds. Um, now, when you're in Ibiza, it becomes a bit of a show business and, you know, you're surrounded by this, you know, VIP scene and bottle service and, you know, constant um, egotistic uh, behaviors, you know, around music that you know, didn't really resonate, you know, it left me quite empty, actually, to be honest, you know, I was, you know, earning good money, obviously, and meeting a lot of great people from all over the world, celebrities, big artists, you name it. But I was really disconnected of, you know, the, the reasons why I started in the music industry at first. And I took a sabbatical year, uh, which I think is an amazing thing to do if anyone can, you know, at some point in the mid, in the midlife, um, and arrived in first arrived in Brazil, met a guy that was running a DJ school from a favela there uh, in Rio de Janeiro, uh, a favela called Rosinha. And I really felt inspired by his work, you know, and, you know, how he was keeping the youth really motivated and driven 
by just teaching them how to DJ, you know, which to me was a bit of, you know, a meaningless, you know, uh, art, you know, after so many years in, in the scene. And, you know, I've, I had felt a little bit, you know, kind of disappointed or, you know, a little bit, you know, disillusioned, maybe is the best word, with the industry, um, you know, that I had belonged to. And this guy was doing such a great job. He had like 10 kids there, you know, with old gear, learning how to DJ. And I was, you know, really inspired by him. He said he was really struggling to buy a new mixer. And I thought, Jesus, like, you know, like any of the gear brands that we work with, like Pioneer DJ, for example, would love to send him some, some equipment, you know, wouldn't cost them really much. And it would make such a difference in this community, right? To have, you know, brand new equipment for all the kids. And so, you know, I, I, I connected him with, with a few brands that shipped him some gear and, you know, the guy was over the moon. And I realized that was kind of the seed of the whole idea behind Bridges for Music that, you know, there's such an amazing, you know, uh, passion out there, you know, for moving communities forward through art and creativity and music. But unfortunately, all these community leaders, like this guy in Rosinha, his name is Cecinio, uh, they unfortunately don't have the connections, you know, with, with big brands, with big companies that can't really give them the resources. Um, and also that went, that, that happened at a, you know, time in history with electronic dance music was becoming the new genre in the world, right? Like DJs were becoming the new rock stars. Uh, festivals were, you know, growing massively around the world. Um, and I felt like the industry needed a platform that connected them, you know, with people like Cecilio in, in Rosinha, you know? like a platform that could connect all these brands and all these festivals and all these big artists to people like him, you know, that was doing the, the work in the trenches, you know, and really trying to make a difference through music. And that's how the beginning of Bridges for Music came about. And then, you know, I traveled to South Africa. Um, obviously today, there's no secret around, you know, the incredible house music scene in South Africa, you know, which is being spearheaded by, by Black Coffee and all these, you know, South African acts that are now taking the world. Um, but back then, you know, it was not that known. Um, and I was really, really surprised when I arrived to a township called Langa in Cape Town, which you have, you have visited where the school is now uh, sitting. And, you know, I arrived there and I saw this, you know, you, super young kids producing incredible house music with super old speakers and super old gear, literally from a shack. You know, there were bedroom studio producers in a shack producing the most incredible house music I had heard before. And that was quite shocking, you know, right? because we we associate electronic music with, you know, big cities, cosmopolitan places, you know, like, you know, Berlin or Chicago, New York, Ibiza, obviously. But you never would expect to to hear it coming from a from a shack in a township in South Africa. And it was really impressive. I met Black Coffee back then. That was like eight years ago. And I was super inspired by how young kids looked up to him, you know, and I realized the power that he had to influence the youth and to make an impact in, in these communities where he was a role model, right? Uh, already then, you know, I mean, imagine now, you know, when he's kind of conquered the world and became, be, has become one of the biggest artists in the world. So, you know, that kind of reinforced the, 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 the seed that was planted in Brazil. And, and I felt, you know, I have to organize some tours in South Africa with big artists that are, you know, close friends of mine um, to do, you know, like tours that kind of bring it beyond the party and, and, and leave some inspiration behind. Um, so, we we created these tours that you know had some workshop educational component uh in the townships and then we did some normal fundraising events on the side that would raise funds to support local talent to play around the world afterwards through a scholarship program so you know we we brought we i started bringing like well together with a lot of other people in the industry by the way who become our board members and trustees and kind of you know supported the mission 
uh, we started bringing international artists to South Africa. We, we brought first Richie Houghton, who is, you know, techno pioneer. Um, then we brought Skrillex and Luciano and many others, you know, and, you know, like years later, you know, I mean, we, we ended up with Ed Sheeran, you know, and, and other many other artists, you know, coming through our, our program and our school in, in, in South Africa. And at first, you know, it was just that idea, you know, like how could we, you know, bridge the divide that exists in South Africa between the black communities and the white communities? And how can we connect local talent with international uh, artists and international opportunities? And by doing these first workshops in, in, in Langa and also in Soweto in Johannesburg, you know, we saw a lot of white South Africans entering these communities for the first time. You know, I remember when we announced the first workshop with, with Skrillex in Langa, a lot of young kids from the city center, you know, were asking why, why we did with, why we did with the workshop there, you know, instead of doing it in the city center somewhere else that is more accessible and comfortable for them. And we said, well, that's exactly the point, right? We want to use someone like Skrillex to, you know, influence the youth from more privileged areas in the city uh, to come into, to venture into, into the townships and to really mix together with people from a different background, from a different race, you know, and through music and their common passion for that artist, you know, uh, maybe start some collaborations or, you know, start building some friendships even, you know, as simple as that really. Um, so we have organized over, I don't know, 50 workshops over the last eight years, you know, with all sorts of, you know, international uh, artists, uh, as I said, ranging from, you know, techno DJs to Ed Sheeran, you know, pop stars. Um, and that was kind of the initial idea. We didn't really think much further than that, to be frankly honest. Um, but then at some point, you know, like we started bringing all these artists uh, from the community through a scholarship program to play big festivals in, you know, the UK or the Netherlands, like you know, Glastonbury or Tomorrowland. And the whole idea there was, you know, like how can we not only bring international artists to South Africa and to their communities, but how can we export that talent from these communities to the world and give them kind of a, an op opportunity to jump on a plane for the first time, get a passport for the first time, play in front of a complete different audience than what you're used to in your community, you know, like have that sense of, belief and confidence that you know travel has given to all of us right um and so we started doing that but that was one of things that you know left the artists very inspired that you know this young talent you know they came back to the communities like heroes and super inspired by the trip they had done and you know like with full of stories and memories but they were still facing the same problems and it's a completely outdated schooling system uh and you know a big problem with crime and you know other problems that you know south african townships face uh, lack of access to facilities, to you know, internet, to safe spaces, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and we thought, you know, I, I was kind of developing also into that educational coaching side of things at the, at the, time, at the same time. And I thought, you know, what, what if we create, you know, the 21st century school, you know, like a place that is safe, that has all the technology that the kids need to thrive, that is, you know, inspiring from, you know, an artistic point of view, you know, full of art, uh, and where we teach not only, you know, music necessarily, but we also teach life skills, you know, meditation, um, you know, business skills that are equally needed, if not more needed um, to thrive and to earn an income, you know, especially in, in countries like South Africa. So I created this vision. I work with a very, very famous architect in, in South Africa. I asked him if he could put, you know, a, a render, you know, on how, how this school could look like in a, in a, piece of land that we found in Langa in this township in Cape Town. And he, he gave us a, an amazing render. I asked him to do something out of the box, you know, a bit modern that is not, doesn't look like a traditional school at all. 
that is aspirational for the kids there you know we want a place where the kids need to be inspired to go to every morning right that's why we believe about about education you know it, start, it starts by the by the space that the students are in you know um and if you look at all the schools in in south african townships not even south african townships pretty much around the world they look quite boring right and quite like you know run down in many cases outdated uh you know in 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 south africa especially you know they all have bars on the windows and they look like prisons really you know uh, it's the last place you would like to spend your day in you know so with this visual idea and render from this architect you know i kind of went out to the you know our contacts in the industry and said you know ask for you know partners that would you know help us fund the, the project or at least raise the money um and yeah we organized different fundraising events um you know one uh, big cycle event in in uh, europe where we cycled from london to amsterdam with you know 30 djs and people in the music industry thanks to uh in partnership with resident advisor which is like probably the biggest underground music block in the world we raised you know over a hundred and yeah hundred and twenty thousand pounds i think um and with that money we kind of kick-started the whole construction and started you know uh, building the school and then other partners came on board and you know uh, it was a constant challenge you know we started building the school from scratch which you know came with another layer of challenges in, in itself you know um from you know uh, fighting theft you know in the construction side to you know massive uh you know challenges with the construct contractor with you know with labor with i mean you name it right and us you know as cliche as it sounds construction always costs three times what you initially budgeted for and that was the case for us as well, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, a few years later, you know, we finished the construction and that is the school that you visited. Um, and we opened two years ago, right before COVID. Um, we had our first graduation, uh, which was a magical moment after all this long journey. And yeah, here we are, you know, we just reopened, by the way, <laughs> after a long um you know, stop and break uh, because of COVID, um, and yeah, we are we're super excited about the program we're running there now. Um, as I briefly explained or went into earlier, it's much just much more than music. You know, it's it's about human development. We call it a human development center more than more than a music school. Um, we give equal importance to you know transferable skills like you know marketing marketing skills, business skills, finance. Uh, Google tools, like, you know, lots of different skills that we believe can really empower uh, our students. And obviously music is still the magnet and we do teach music production as well. And we do teach, you know, DJing and other things, but that is more of a fun element and a, and a, and a passion element, you know, that keeps the students engaged, you know. Um, but we teach many, many more things that really help them thrive. I mean, I could really feel, you know, first this element of, uh... Of community, you know that it, that is so important for you that you started from that. I think it was uh, it was it was so clear. I also found quite interesting this idea of a proper creative journey. And and when I say about a creative journey is because often I think we you know we tend to think about creativity, and this is something that of course is important for us as a foundation. I know it's important for you as a creative as as bridges for music. You know, sometimes there is this misconception that when you think about creativity, you think people think about something not concrete. Think about something like a little bit, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, like a little bit light to a certain extent. While creativity is about bringing real transformation and creating concrete things. If uh, if a creative process doesn't end up 
in an object, in something real, it's the, it, it loses completely its meaning. And, and I think it is, it is so interesting to, to hear you know, your journey that then ended up in creating something that exists, that is a school, that is an academy, and that all the things that are connected to all the trouble <laughs> of creating something like that. Mm. And I think, you know, it is so important to, to say, this is about the creative process. This is something that, you know, something that our, our president uh, of the Moleskin Foundation uh, talk about in one, of the, in one of the podcasts, it talks about the idea of what the, the meaning of creativity, you know, mm-hmm. and, and creativity, the people think that the researchers say that the, the origin of creativity, the word creativity comes from the Sanskrit, kar, that means to do, to make. It's mm-hmm. very, very concrete. And there are some, to me, very fascinating, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, researchers that basically also connect the idea of creativity with a specific type of intelligence uh, that uh, the ancient Latin will call it metis. And it's a very practical intelligence. That's the intelligence of Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Is it Ulysses figure out a way, you know, move on and, and get to his vision and get to where he wants to go. And, and this is to me something very similar. Mm-hmm. What I found extremely interesting that you started a journey because of your internal needs mm-hmm. and that through that internal process, you started solving problems mm-hmm. and you started meeting people and you started going more and more in depth. And that continuation of solving problems at a practical level, mm-hmm. uh, really has been able to to create something unique for a larger community mm. and that's and that's i found it so interesting because there's never you know there is no bones in your in your body that mm. says oh i went there because they needed me mm. everything about, i needed to do this journey for myself and through this introspection yeah, that that's that's what they call positive selfishness, right? Like, I mean, when when people talk about, you know, in, the impact space or the charity space, you know, even if you talk about Mother Teresa de Calcutta, you know, like she was doing what she was doing because she wanted to do, and that fulfilled her, you know. Um, and you know, I'm not shy about talking about these things. I think it's it's human nature, you know. We do all what we do because we think it will make us happy, you know. And and you know, thanks God, you know, there is people doing better things than other people that are doing wrong things, you know, for making themselves happy, you know, and they understand happiness in a more positive way than, you know, others that understand it in a more negative way. You know, I, I'd rather have someone that is doing an impact for an amount of people, you know, to, for, for him to, you know, even earn money or feel happy, you know, someone doing it by selling hamburgers, you know, um, that's kind of all, all contaminating the, you know, the, the ocean or you know whatever else you know so that's you know how we understand profit and meaning and purpose you know um i think it's you know it's key here you know like you, know, you need to understand that there is different ways of pursuing those things right there's a there's a nice route that will you know eventually you know re, you know affect positively on the people around you and on the world and there is a route which will probably damage or you know affect negatively the people around you, you know, the, what route are you going to choose? I think that's, you know, up to everyone. Hopefully more and more people will choose the, the positive route. Yeah. There is this element 
authenticity in your journey that I found very interesting. But I would like to, to go back for a second um, from this idea of creating, starting with the idea of creating a school for DJs to now creating like a 21st century uh, mm-hmm. school. So, so where, and, and, I'm, and I would like, if you can, to, to tell us a little bit more about, about the programming, about the curricula and, uh, and how that came about also, because that was, uh, that was not conceived from the beginning. It is something that at some point, something clicked and you decided to, to invest a lot in that. Yeah, I think, you know, like, like a, a DJ school necessarily is not perhaps solving, you know, so many problems in a community like, like Langa, you know, like I think, you know, we can't sell the broken dream to the kids of becoming the next black coffee, right? Because that is, you know, that happens one in a million times. And, and, you know, we need to be very responsible. Like when you come uh, into a community like, like Langa, right? you need to be extremely responsible with what you sell. You know, I always say like, you know, under, uh, under promise and over deliver, you know, that's kind of a motto for us. Um, because, you know, you are working with people that see someone, you know, like me, for example, coming from Spain, Ibiza, you know, with all my contacts in the music industry, blah, 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 blah. They might see you, you know, with eyes like this, you know, like, so much hope, you know, and so much expectation. And the moment you start selling things, people buy into them straight away, right? You have that power, but it's it's a very important responsibility to be very careful with how you use that power and not misuse your power, right? We've seen these cases, you know, across the charity space over and over again, you know? Um, and then you see also all these, you know, white elephants, you know, this, 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 you know, empty buildings that were built with a lot of hype, with a lot of passion at first, you know, even with a lot of, you know, good intention probably, but then they've, you know, then they, they disappeared or they were run down years later and they were, you know, they, you know, ended up being empty buildings that no one is really using. Um, so I think it's very, very important to, to be responsible. And from that responsibility, we started thinking, so what would be the most efficient approach to education in this community? Considering our background, you know, not shying around from the fact that we have been born in the music industry and that's our strength and we truly believe in the power of music, you know. Um, well, what if, you know, we use music as the magnet, you know, to attract the, the, the kids into the school and use all these known faces like Black Coffee and all the many artists that have been part of the program to attract them? Because the reality is, yeah, new generations, they don't listen to our politicians, they listen to these guys. You know, unfortunately, also listen to the influencers on Instagram and TikTok, which is not the good side of it. But, you know, artists have a voice and, you know, a lot of artists start because they want to bring a message to the world and they have their heart in the right place. So we thought that combination was really attractive to increase the engagement of all the students in the, in, the, in, the, in the learning space, you know, because that's also a big problem in South Africa. There's a massive dropout rate. You know, engagement is, you know, very, 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 very bad. Uh, and that is because they don't like the inspiration, they don't like the role models, they don't like the mentorship, they don't, they cannot, don't get inspired by, by going to school. The teachers, you know, are a little bit outdated, old school, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, so we thought, well, okay, so we have all these big artists. We have, we're going to build this fascinating space. Now, what is the most efficient program we can bring? You know, and one of the things that we found, which is kind of obvious, you know, is that a lot of our students come from a very traumatic background. And in order for you to move through life and grow and improve, you need 
to move past your past trauma, right? You need to leave that baggage behind. You need to develop a sense of self-awareness uh, and really understand what made you who you are, what are your limiting beliefs, you know, how can you break through those limiting beliefs and how can you come out in the other side of being a, a stronger and better human being? And so first part of our program, which is pretty much 30% of it, is what, what we call the well-being and mindfulness program, which is mainly focused on developing that sense of self-awareness. Uh, you know, we teach meditation, we do breath work, we do daily journaling. Uh, every morning we start with what we call the great morning routine, which, you know, uh, encompasses all of these things. Um, and it's, you know, a way, and I would say it's the most powerful way uh, for our students to heal, you know, from everything they've gone through, to open up, to tap into their more vulnerable side, uh, to grow out of their own beliefs or their own fears that, as you can imagine, in a society like South Africa, are massive, right? If you're grown in a township, you know, you are in the poverty cycle, right? Like, Everything that surrounds you, unless you are lucky enough to go out and study in a university through a scholarship or, you know, you get to go to a semi-private school or something like that, which is, you know, very unlikely, it's very likely you're going to end up in, trapped in the poverty cycle, which means if you're surrounded by things that look run down, if your neighbor is an alcoholic, if your uncle beats his mother, your, your granny or whatever, whatever, whatever you, you, you name it, right, all these kind of problems, then the likelihood of you ending up in the wrong side of things is very high. So, you know, the first thing you need to do is allow these people, these students to think out of the box, to see the world out there and to develop a, a sense of understanding, you know, of why they're thinking the way they're thinking and how they could break away from that to develop a new self. And so all our well-being and mindfulness program is focused on that. And that, as I said, that's 30% of the program. And then once you move out of that, that's all really cool and nice, you know, uh, but now what, you know, how do we, how do we earn real tangible skills that can, you know, as you said, you know, it's very nice and well to start being creative or have that innate talent inside of you, but how do you action it to materialize it into concrete outcomes? Um, so, you know, all our, all our skills, you know, that we teach in our, what do we call entrepreneurial program, uh, you know, go from, you know, design thinking to finance, to marketing, to Google tools, to, I don't know, accounting to a lot of different things that whether you become an artist or you want to venture into any other thing, they will be very useful for you, you know, and will allow you to be more self-sustainable in life. And then the music element, you know, we teach music production, sound engineering and other things, which keeps them super motivated. We have a hundred percent completion rate. That's never heard of in South Africa. And you have to bear in mind that all our students face challenges like transport, you know, we provide like a daily meal um, that also helps with engagement, obviously, because that's, you know, a big challenge for them. Um, but there's so many challenges that are added to the equation, you know, to make someone complete the program. So getting 100% completion rate is amazing already. Um, so, yeah, that's in a nutshell, you know, what we're doing. So well-being and wellness program to get to a position where you can actually learn and get things in. Um, then, you know, all the entrepreneurial part of the program and then obviously they're more concrete music focused skills. But now we are also venturing into film and uh, design and other creative industries. And then once they leave the, the program, once they graduate from the program, which is very important, is how, how do these students access opportunities, right, in the workspace? And that is what ultimately uh, we measure to measure our own success. 
So we've created an incubation program after the after the study. You know, they, they have an incubation program where we connect them with in the, with opportunities in the in the creative industries. And this range from internships uh, at festivals, at recording companies, at radio stations, at AV companies, like you name it, right? Like um, very very much music industry focused, you know. Um, and you know, through that they start getting opportunities, some gigs as well, obviously they, they perform in some festivals that we have partnerships with. Um, but through that, they hopefully will start generating a little bit of income from themselves. You know, we believe that the first pay you get in your life for work, you know, is a life changing moment, you know? So that is kind of the last part of our equation, you know, if it makes sense of our impact or uh, impact equation or theory of change, if you wanna, if you wanna call it. It's quite fascinating also because I was there and, and I remember that I had my my class, my little you know my, my little conversation with your student, and I remember if before and after we had a, uh, an hour long meditation, Wim Hof inspired, and then we met and then and then and then we listened to some Joe Coltrane together. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I would say this is not something that happened in the average school <laughs> that you normally uh, go. I remember that moment, the, the meditation moment, as a very powerful moment um, with with a lot of you know, there was an exchange that it was quite unique and rare. Um, I would like to ask you, Vale, in this process, in all the different experiences that you've done, especially being together with, uh, with your students, what have you learned? Is there something that, that comes to mind right away that, that you experienced, that you learned in, in these years that, that you started this journey? Definitely. I learn every day, man. Like I'm, I'm as inspired as the students are, you know, like I'm, you know, I always say education is peer to peer, you know, um, that's the basis of the future of education, I think. And that's what really happens, you know, in, in, the, in the class, like students learn from each other, but we learn from the students and students learn from us. And, you know, I'm one, the one thing that stands out when you first ask the question is the level of resilience that our students have. You know, the level of challenges that they face compared with the challenges that I face or that, you know, any student in a more, you know, supported society uh, goes through. It's, it's just uncomparable. You know, it's just amazing. It's so inspiring to, to see. And I always try to tell them, you know, like that is your biggest, you know, strength and your biggest opportunity, you know, like tap into that level of resilience obviously they are in their own bubble right so they don't then they, they cannot benchmark with what is life out there and you know how does the life of a privileged kid in a privileged school you know develop compared with mine so it's difficult to really put value to yourself when you cannot benchmark um but if but but i try to make them aware of that you know it's like the level of resilience the amount of challenges and stuff that they need to go through to just sit in the classroom every morning that is for me so inspiring and so humbling in so many ways, you know, it really puts things in perspective, you know. Um, and then, you know, like, I think a big learning as well is that, you know, like to solve this, you know, any problem, you know, it, it is up to the people closest to the problems, you know. So it's up to people in the community to really spearhead these projects, you know, and, you know, I'm, I've been blessed and to, to, to have met incredible, incredible people, I mean, uh, like Foster, who you met, I think when you when you when you came to Langa, who is our founding member there, who is a true role model in the community and a, a true hero of the story, really, you know. 
and C.B. Wen, you know, many other local inspiring characters that, you know, are driven to make a difference in their communities. And we are just connecting dots, if it makes sense, you know, facilitating um, some resources and, you know, uh, wherever possible, shining some light. But they are the ones meant to, you know, continue this journey and make an impact in their communities. Um, it's not outsiders. And we want to try and avoid as much as possible the white savior complex, right? Because um, you can easily fall into that, right? And I don't know if people listening to the podcast might have heard that concept of white savior concept, but, um, you know, but I, I guess it's self-explanatory. Well, yeah, I mean, but I, and I think, you know, and that's why I think in the beginning, you know, we were, we were mentioning it and, and also how you don't shy away from the idea that this was your journey, your journey by your introspective uh, uh, path, then it brought you to, to Lange, then you start uh, creating and solving your problem with this. Uh, there is a word that we're very connected to as a Moleskine Foundation uh, that you're probably very familiar with, that is the, the word Ubuntu, you know, and, and to kind of have the idea, obviously, that, that there is, what I like the most about that word is that it breaks that assumption of an I versus the other, mm. versus someone and, and it expanded the sense of, uh, of, of responsibility uh, beyond who you are because you are only within, uh, mm. you are only community, you are only within communion, you are only with, with someone else. And, mm. and I think of change the perspective a little bit um, in, uh, also, in the- I might interrupt there, like I, I think it also levels the playing field, you know, like it, it's not anymore a charity interaction it's not a looking down or looking up at you know it's like i am because you are you know and you know it's, it's exactly what happened you know like i am because foster is you know foster is because i am and because the other one is and it's like we're all nurturing each other in one way or another you know and it's an exchange of energy it's an exchange of love passion whatever you want to call it you know we can get esoteric if we want um but that's it you know it's ubuntu that's the spirit of ubuntu i love you mentioned that you know um and that's something that I, I say to a lot of people, you know, when they say, oh, you know, it's so inspiring what you do or, you know, and I'm like, well, I am because you are, you know, like you inspire me to some degree and I am a part of all the people I've encountered throughout my life, you know. And I think if you have that approach in life, I think it's, it will allow you to create a really meaningful community around you and, and to live a fulfilling life, I think, and, you know, a humble life, which I think is, yeah, I think it's the key of it. You know, the program... Sounds fantastic. I think you, you are creating a model that the first question that comes to mind when you hear about it is that how can you expand if you interest mm. expand? Maybe, maybe through, you know, by, by creating more schools, if it makes sense, or maybe also now through leveraging technology. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you think that um, the model that you created uh, with 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 uh, with the rest of, of, of the team that of, of Bridget for Music can be exported to a certain extent, and you know either physically or through technology, because that's I think is one of the one of the biggest conundrums that we have in education is that there is this almost always this um, uh, this dichotomy between a certain level of quality intentionality cure and, and attention, et cetera, et cetera, and scale, mm. you know? Really? There is 
element. What are your thoughts around it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we are, it's a good question because we are right now in a crossroads. Uh, as you know, you know, we've talked about this for uh, long hours. Um, you know, we've been quite cash-trapped for, for many years. And, you know, our main focus was building that first campus and proving what the vision was and showing it to the world and having, you know, all the, you know, all our ducks in a row in a way, you know, before even thinking of scaling. And, and now we have, you know, we have a, some really inspiring conversations, interesting conversations uh, with some other partners and potential funders to bring this to the next level, right? And, and the question is, well, how does that next level look like? You know, is it new schools? Um, is it an online school? Uh, is it B2B programs, um, you know, to train uh, other people and to bring this culture to other schools and education, education institutions? Uh, and I think, you know, the conclusion we've come to is like the uniqueness of Bridges is the combination of our international community uh, architecture, you know, creating spaces that are, you know, unique and really inspiring, um, and the program that I just described. So those three things, you know, are what makes the project unique in its way, you know. Um, I don't think there is any other school that has all this big artists involved, you know, um, teaching or mentoring. So that's definitely unique. There's not many, you know, architecturally beautiful schools around the world that can be inspiring to the students and to the community around. And the program, I think, is also unique from the way we combine mindfulness and well-being with you know, entrepreneurial, more practical skills. So I think that's, that's how we see it. Now, to replicate the model is a massive leap in terms of funding, right? Um, you know, we, we have a few conversations now with bigger funders that you know, might, might be uh, excited to join and, and, and help this mission grow. But yeah, we are a little bit you know, sitting by the fence looking at what's what's next, you know. We have another opportunity in Johannesburg and another one in another township in Cape Town that we're exploring. But it's a massive leap, you know, because for us, it's not only about building the school and opening the doors, it's about maintaining it over time, right? And that comes with long-term commitment from your funders and, you know, and, and it's a lot of money, you know, like the moment you scale to two schools, it's like double the staff, you know, double the payroll, double everything, you know, like double the problems probably, um, you know, uh, and that obviously comes with big responsibility. And unless you have a big company or a big brand backing you up fully, it's very difficult to take that leap, you know. Um, so, yeah, we're having conversations with some, you know, big stakeholders in the music industry and beyond that might be interested in, in it. Our dream or our aim is that, you know, maybe some people at government level, um, you know, um, are excited to have, you know, for the conversations we are exploring different models on how this growth could happen, you know, from, you know, the traditional philanthropic model that we are currently in to even more social impact investment models that we're exploring to social impact bonds and, you know, things that would eventually involve the government also in the equation. So we're exploring all these potential routes, you know, but whilst you are fi fighting all the fires on your day to day, as you know, very well, um, you know, it's difficult to, you know, gain that perspective to think big picture and, you know, um, and get the long-term vision going whilst you are, you know, in the trenches. So we are in a better position than last time we spoke. You know, we, we have a bigger, bigger team. You know, we have an incredible team working at the school in Langa that are, you know, keeping it alive and, and making it grow by themselves. So, you know, for, for the first time, we are able to start thinking about, you know, that bigger picture vision. But it's, uh, yeah, it's been complicated till now. I really believe that if we had to choose one single skill, um, to teach our, you know, kids and the future generations, 
that would be creativity. Um, and creativity, you know, and we can get a little bit philosophical here, but creativity understood as that innate talent that we all have, you know, as human beings. Uh, unfortunately, over adulthood, you know, it gets shut down and we create our own limiting beliefs around it, but we all have it. You know, Pablo Picasso used to say that we all are born uh, artists. The problem is to remain artists as we grow up, right? And that innate talent is what I think we need to hone, master, you know, um, to really be able to come up with solutions to the biggest problems we are going to face as humanity, you know. And unfortunately, all the technology that we are creating, which is very useful, no doubt about it, for many things, is at the same time the biggest challenge to creativity, you know, because we are all becoming, you know, standardized by algorithms. We are always being fed the same thing, you know, whether it's on Facebook or on social media, we are constantly distracted by all of this noise that we have around us, you know, and that is, is, has, is, is taking a toll in our creative process, you know. That's why we also believe on, you know, being completely offline in, at the school, you know. Uh, the students have to leave their phone in a box when they get into the school, you know. And by the way, we do this through votes uh, at the beginning of the every intake, you know, they need to decide about it, but we, you know, we create the right environment so they have it easy to decide to leave their phone outside. Uh, and we give them some data, you know, on how technology is really hindering our creative process and our learning process, you know. And um, so, yeah, so I think creativity is the number one, you know, skill that we need to master. And then there's two other skills that we are very much focused on at the school, which are empathy, right? So creativity without empathy could end up being a little bit meaningless, but we believe that if we if we learn on how to relate to the people around us and to the world we live in, you know, we will be better human beings and be better citizens, you know, overall. And we will be able to live a more fulfilling life because we will build a better community around us. You know, the moment you empathize with people around you and you can put yourself in other people's shoes, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you develop a, you know, a way stronger uh, self. And, and the last skill, um, sorry for taking so much time, is curiosity you know because with curiosity you know you can be an you know long life a lifelong uh learner you know you curiosity can keep you learning throughout your whole life you know and if you master these three skills creativity curiosity and empathy i really really believe there's nothing that can stop you you know from evolving as the world evolves as technology takes over a lot of our jobs as you know, like our environments change, no, no doubt they're going to change, right? I mean, they've changed already over the last two years with COVID, right? So you will see that there's people that have struggled with COVID because they didn't know how to adapt, right? Uh, but there are people that have thrived through COVID, you know, because they adapted and they saw the opportunity that comes through all these skills, you know, that are really, really important to, to master, I think. Valentino, every time is a pleasure. Uh, I know I always have the feel that, 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 that it, you not only, I don't only learn and get inspired by what you do, but there is always this sense of doer. You know, there is something that we did in the Moleskine Foundation and, you know, we, our skills, you know, that we focus on are critical thinking, lifelong learning, but the central one is creative doing, not thinking. <laughs> so there's of, of happening. And every time I speak to you, I really see that, uh, that element that is so strong strong um in your in your mission and your endeavor dreamers are a lot out there doers not so many and the combination of both even less you know so it's like people that can hold the vision whilst they get 
dirty in the day-to-day -day and get things done, there's, you know, there's not so many, you know, and I think that's the, you know, that's the key for anyone out there that is, you know, starting a new project right now, it's excited to, you know, change his chapter in or his career or whatever it is. Like, you know, we always say to the students, you know, uh, dream big, but be, be ready to work small. Listen, man, thank you so much for, for sharing with us, you know, all the stories. I'm looking forward to see what's going to come next for Bridges for Music and for you. I would like to invite everyone to go and check out the Bridges for Music website and all the content is online. And also, I know that you have a podcast. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's a personal, you know, side project that I started um, to interview people like, like you, you know, and have this type of conversations. Uh, it's called the Resonance Collective. And it's, yeah, it's, a, it's available on, on all platforms, really. Thank you so much for being part of the Creativity Pioneer podcast today. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for listening to our new podcast, Creativity Pioneers. If you'd like to check out other episodes and know more about our mission, please visit moleskinfoundation.org. Keep on following this podcast and share your comments on Facebook and Instagram at Moleskin Foundation. Until next time, stay creative.